you have successfully managed to claw your way into the Casa Berenice Recordings Podcast, Episode 13. This podcast is our way to release multi-tracked recordings from house concerts that we host in our living room. We being Clay Chaplin and Heather Lockie, and including our Claude friends, Xenotron, Buzzy, Nemesis, and Fluff Nugget. This episode features a performance by Vinnie Golia. It was recorded live at a Casa Berenice house concert on November 2nd, 2019. Stick around after the performance for an interview with Vinnie Golia. And now, here's Vinnie Golia on an array of woodwind instruments.
finish up with this piece for the two backs. This is um, actually, um, this is, um, I just wrote this a couple of days ago. So bear with me. But um, uh, the two backs is a version of the contrabass saxophone made by a German maker, uh, instrument maker named Benedict, Benedict Eppelsheim, who was kind of a genius with uh, not only um, saxophones and such, but also with the contraforte and I think he had something to do with the lupophone, which is a new version of the bass um, oboe, a few things like that. Um, and um, this is an earlier model. The serial number is six. So um, uh, I've had it a long time. And it's, it's, first off, it's much more portable than a giant contrabass saxophone, which wouldn't actually be able to be played in here because it's so high. Understand. Anyway, um, once more, thanks for coming and thanks for inviting me. And we'll see what happens now.
I'm Vinny Golia. I play a variety of woodwind instruments. I also compose, and uh, I have ensembles uh, ranging from 70-piece uh, large ensembles to uh, solo pieces. You've been a fixture in LA forever. You know, give us the kind of the long view of hmm. what your experience has been. It's actually changed quite a bit. I mean, um, I first came here as a visitor, but I didn't play an instrument at that time. But um, I was a painter before that. So I came out here because one of my friends was coming out and he had been here once before and he said like, you know, you've always been in New York or on the East Coast. He said, you should see the colors, you know, like you know, in the Midwest and the colors are different in California and stuff like that if you're really going to be a painter, you know. So I uh, came out with him and uh, met some people that hang with and stuff and such, you know. At the same time, some, some people that I knew from New York were out here playing. And so uh, at that time I was using my painting as graphic notation still. I was just starting to do that. And um, Braxton introduced me to John Carter, Bobby Bradford, uh, Pete Robinson, um, uh, Ernie Watts, a, a ton of really fantastic people, Tom Canning, T-Bone Burnett. Uh, on and on. Yeah, I mean, some really amazing musicians who had come out here from different places and made L.A. their home. Then I found out that, not like New York, where you could walk and see three shows in a night, you had to figure out, like, mm -hmm. where you were going to go, and mm -hmm. you'd have to drive there. But then I found out there were factions of people, like there was a free music, uh, L.A. Free Music Society in Pasadena, you know, who would be like into just like more of the Derek Bailey, Evan Parker aesthetic. Then there was uh, Horace Tapscott with his ensembles and Watts and all the black musicians playing with him. Then it was John Carter, Bobby Bradford that were separate and doing their thing and had students like, you know, um, David Murray and, and uh, uh, James Newton and such. And eventually I wound up playing with them quite a bit. And then there was a whole white cadre of the Klein brothers and and uh, Lee Kaplan playing synthesizer, Eric Von Essen and such. And then there was a, another faction that was separate even from those guys. So I logged that in my, my brain. My, my last painting show was out here in 72 and I had different groups come and play. The One of the nights was uh, Braxton and Dave Holland playing E-flat clarinet and cello duets. Another night was Tom Canning uh, uh, one night was Mike Knock did an electronic tape, but Chick Corea did a tape. Uh, there was a group that Pete Robinson ran. I forgot the name of it, but Ernie Watts was in it, Marty Crystal, all, uh, Roberto Miranda, all these guys. John Carter Trio played. Um, uh, Bobby was supposed to play, but he, he had to go back east to play with Ornette Coleman. A uh, few others, I mean, that was my last show, but it went out with kind of a bang, you know? And, uh, uh, yeah, and then I started really getting serious about saxophone and and then uh, flute, and from that I went into the clarinets and stuff. It was all, like, really a big wave. But but to answer your, uh, your question, so I knew that that was there and why it was there. And then when I came out and was playing for a while, I purposely sought out these little factions to play with different people uh, because I knew they were there uh, and mostly because of the fact that 
I had met them when I wasn't a musician. So it's a lot easier to meet musicians when you're when not you're a not musician. A musician. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 So actually, I started playing with the clients quite a bit. And also Emmett Chapman, he invented the electric stick. So I started to cross over into all of these different uh, areas. And uh, in 82, when I formed a large ensemble, I wanted people from each area to be there. You know, classical music musicians who improvised, uh, you know, traditional musicians, black musicians, et cetera, et cetera. So eventually what happened was uh, I wound up at CalArts teaching and um, I started to see that a lot of the, the people were not leaving the area. They wanted to stay in LA, so they started doing that same thing, that same, you know, like some people in Pasadena, some people over here, some people, you know, here, uh, you know, some people in the valley, some people back up at school, you know. Um, what I see now is that the younger people have started to embrace this do-it-yourself aesthetic and try to get spaces and ensembles and organizations to continue the effect of playing together once they get out of school. So that's where I see the major difference is like the people who are getting out of school are not going to New York because they realize they can do what they want to do here. And actually it's maybe not as economically difficult to do it here as it is back there because, you know, the rents and the, and the living situations are, are not conducive to like being the utmost creative artist. Everybody lives outside of New York in order to play in New York, you know. The first piece was contrabass flute, and um, there's two pieces actually. One's called Surface Noise, and the other has got a really long title, which I'm not going to say. But um, there are areas for exploring the textures of the contrabass flute and also the dynamic range of the flute. So you can play up really high, it has a really sweet sound to it, and it's very, very uh, lyrical. And on the bottom, it can be very percussive and uh, can also be kind of actually forceful for the instrument, but you have to slap it and really push it rhythmically, you know? So the piece is built on this kind of schizophrenic approach of, of having these long sounds and yet punctuated by this really fast stuff. And the challenge is to make the fast stuff clear. That's the, one of the main challenges because in the second register of the contrabass, the notes have a tendency to run into each other because they don't. there's not enough time for them to speak individually. So you really have to get your articulation on top of, on top of it to really make it, you know, really push it. So that's one reason I like playing that instrument. The second piece was Sopranino saxophone, which is the uh, second tiniest of the saxophone family. And um, that was an afterthought actually and the thing that struck me about it is how many colors you can get out of an instrument that's limited now in its range in terms of like it's a very high instrument and how much can you change the sound without it being totally annoying and <laughs> ear shattering <laughs> and then i mean the ear shattering thing is part of it that the beauty of it but at the same time it has a a very lyrical register, you know, not unlike the oboe in certain areas, you know, that you try and really kind of make malleable. And that was just, a, that was mostly an improv. So for, for me, and the improvs is why I tend to get uh, carried away with the, um, the textures of the instrument. And the last piece was um, a piece dedicated to George Herms, 
who's a, a wonderful collage artist. And I was on the contrabass saxophone, and this is the Tubex version of it by uh, Benedict Eppelsheim. And that is the same kind of thing with the bass flute, where your notes, you know, if you're going to play fast, you really have to articulate the notes. And uh, it's weird. This version of it seems to be influenced by... I've been listening to Sonny Stitt because he's a, he's an actual uh, one of these guys that uh, everyone always says is a Charlie Parker clone. But, I mean, he does some amazing things on the saxophone. And when I first saw him, I didn't appreciate his, his music. He came to New York with a... So I used to go to clubs and draw pictures of everybody. And he came with an organ trio, and I thought it was so traditional that I couldn't get past the setting, and I didn't listen to his sound. But I, I, I didn't have a way of appreciating because I was so narrowly into my own thing of modern music that I didn't appreciate him. And I actually talked to him for a minute because he was really interested in the drawings and stuff, but I just felt like I couldn't communicate so I always felt bad about that. But he um, well, he's an amazing saxophone player, and you can hear the Lester Young influence when he plays tenor and the Charlie Parker influence when he plays um, alto. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, do you know how good you have to be in order to do that? <laughs> you know? And so I didn't see it at that time, you know. When did you start to see that? Well, years ago, there was a radio station out of Northridge, came out of the college and they played a mystery cut for baritone saxophone and it's an instrument that I play a lot and I could not peg this guy at all I thought maybe like I thought maybe like Leo Parker or stuff like that but it was like one of two cuts that Sonny Stitt had done on baritone wow. and it was like holy blank you know it's like this guy is like this guy is like amazing oh it's sunny stitt oh i met him oh i screwed oh, up he's the guy he's uh, yeah. the guy he's the guy right. i, I didn't he's pay any attention to yeah. you know I, and wow. uh, i mean it was like uh, yeah that's when i first this so i was probably must have been like 1974 hmm. I, but i mean like ah I mean, I can, you know, <laughs> there's a story about somebody who said like, oh yeah, man, you sound like Charlie Parker. And the guy takes his horn off and he hands it to the guy and he says, let's see you play like Charlie Parker. <laughs> you know, I mean, okay. You know, <laughs> I mean, of course it's not going to be Charlie Parker, <laughs> right. right? I mean, cause he's a different human, but I mean like the virtuosity is, right. is uh, unbelievable, right? You, you know? try it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, uh, 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 I started uh, listening just recently. I got the Roost sessions. It's a, it was a re record label that he did a uh, number of recordings on, and I've been listening to that. And it's uh, not that that has anything to do with what I did with the Tuvex, but in the back of my brain, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like it's it's Sunny Stitt. And I'm playing something fast. It's like, you know how precise this guy is when he plays something like wow. that and what the articulations are? So you, that's what you're going for. You know, you don't want to be like a... <laughs> while the other guy's going... It's in the back of your head. So was the last piece scored out or were you improvising the whole time? It's scored out. It has uh, specific themes and areas that are meant for uh, to be like 
it's almost like playing over chord changes in a weird way, but you have a specific theme, and after the first specific theme, then there's a like a blues section where you where you set up the mood, and then it goes to another written section where that deals with repetition, which goes to another written section, which eventually winds up with playing that written section in different dynamic ways, which goes into another groove section and stuff. So the thing about the writing is to focus on the melodic information and have areas for transition in terms of improvising, which will lead you to the next section. But the thing to do it is like not do left brain, right brain, one, two, three, click, 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 mm -hmm. but to do it like in such a way that it morphs slowly and switches the sides over. And so the transition is smooth and makes one thing into the other. The thing that makes or breaks this music, and my students are tired, so tired of hearing this, is the transition from one major idea to another major idea. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, and like how you get there. yeah, and how you get there. So you know, with the with the standard tune, you're playing chord changes. It's a cycle, so it's a closed form. It repeats. You get to the end, you you start over. You know, okay, that's one complete sentence and phrase and stuff. But with the freer stuff then you have these places that go from here to here then there's another whole section for me I write a lot of music so I'm going usually to another written section and with anywhere from three to six people in a small group making that transition you have to have signposts and keep doing that when you work with larger groups like a large ensemble anything from you know eight on up then you have to have some kind of conducting or some kind of signal or some kind of hand signals or some kind of written section that you can use to morph from to get to another thing. So the more people you have, this is a Bobby Bradford quote, more people you have in, more you have to write. He said for him, like tr trios were the epitome of like great improvising situations because it's like a tr like a triangle or a period where everything is supported and and you can try something and move and do these kind of things but once you get that fourth person in there then things can be equal and equal mm -hmm. in improvisation yeah. Yeah. kind of creates a flatness way way harder yeah so then you have to start writing more you know the more people oh julius hempel was was the king he'd say like he said like five people five parts and they'd be all like harmonized and his friend Brikita would always say like but Julius two horns together playing in in unison that's a harmonization in itself and Julius wouldn't have it like everything had to be like like if you had seven people it'd be seven parts and his music is so so beautifully written that you could be playing the harmony part and then all of a sudden be playing the lead part and not realize well, I know it. it. Yeah, I mean, oh, God, it's, wow. it's incredible music. I mean, he's a very underrated composer and instrumentalist, but died too soon, you know. But um, you can hear a lot of beautiful stuff uh, on some of his recordings, especially the Arista recordings. And a couple, a couple in the World Saxophone Quartet, which just feature his own, just Julius's music. It's amazing music. For my 70th birthday, this one fellow wanted to do a large ensemble with 70 people in the Bay Area. So he called, he just sent out an email, and in, in about two hours we had 70 people who wanted to play, but not all of them read music. So I wrote this 
sweep based on the Easter Island. They're called Moas. They're the statues that oh, look yeah, out towards yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Moai people on the on the bottom uh, level all could read, and they had like there were 28 pieces of music, and I held up a board, and you could pick that. Then the people in the back proscenium stage uh, were the people who didn't read, and and I sent them a graphic score animated on their iPhones, iPads, and computers, and they could read that like when they were cued. So they get a number and they just pull up the number on the computer and then that thing would play for them and they'd play that while these people were playing notated music and there was people soloing. So yeah, it's pretty intense. It was pretty cool. That was a lot of fun. They recorded it, I hope, or something. They did record it. It's on YouTube someplace. My website is vinigolia.com. I have also a YouTube thing, but I haven't been that good about putting stuff up, which I'll change. And that's, you know, you go on YouTube and look up Vinigolia, there's plenty of clips. I'll tell you one funny story, mm-hmm. and then I'll stop. When I was coming up, I had a job at a music store near the airport. You know, it's like one of those jobs. They, they charge thirty-five dollars for a lesson, and you get like you know five, five. bucks. They, you know, <laughs> they take thirty dollars. But I had this guy who was a an elderly gentleman. He was probably about eighty-seven, eighty-nine, and he wanted to play a clarinet. It would take him almost half the lesson to walk up oh <laughs> to the to, no. to the to the to the place, and then we'd play a little, and then he'd have to walk back. You know. And one day I said, like, I said to him, I said, uh, you're really making some progress. I said, I'll see you next week. And he said, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll never forget that. That's what I tell people. People say, like, oh, Vinny, I'll see you next time. I just say, oh, I hope so. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the Casa Berenice Recordings podcast. We would like to thank the musicians for performing and our lovely community here in Northeast LA for attending our concerts. For more information about our house concerts or our current release catalog, please visit our website, casabaronisrecordings.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>